Which shit gets a little dark this month. In Rose Silly Lightning we're talking about a parent dealing with the death of a child. Pedro and me discusses the AIDS epidemic. Growing up during Iran's revolution and civil war is the focus of Persepolis. We finish with Fun Home, Alison Beckdale's tale of coming of age and the suicide of her closeted dad. We're getting personal, with a month of autobiographical comics. Go ahead with your own life, leave me alone. Come on, you fuckers think that just cause a guy reads comics he can't work for shit? I'll fucking take all you are! Welcome to this week's episode of the全ての中に使用としてことではないような完了プロセスで芸能です。<笑><笑> I'm too sober for this shit. Oh, that's Panda. super sad about it. That was unexpected too. That was I don't think any of us were like. Well, oh, no, I thought we were going to wake up this morning and find out Bill Paxton died. It was it was a surprise because it was during a surgery that he was having, so it's not like mm-hmm. you know anyone. Hey, he pulled the Joan Rivers. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but Joan Rivers was already old as fuck though. Yeah, he but Joan Rivers is like one. Yeah, Joan Rivers is a goddess. True, but she was old as fuck. Yeah. No, yeah. she was not. Although, to be <laughs> honest... starting to look like the Crypt Keeper at the end there, dude. That's a lie. Um, <laughs> so, when um, people were saying, like, oh, Phyllis Diller, she died so young. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. she was 91 years old, you guys. Yeah. And and also, um, you know, Phyllis Diller also was just always just making fun of herself. So she's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm old. But anyway... And then there's Yay, Carol Channing. <laughs> yes, Carol Channing will literally live forever. <laughs> if I remember correctly, isn't Carol Channing like um, Jehovah's Witnesses? So she doesn't actually know how old she is because they don't celebrate birthdays. Her her family was, and be, also because of the, the because her dad was black and mm-hmm. all this other stuff. It was uh, it was like craziness on her birth certificate. But yeah. Okay. I didn't think, no, that the Joe Witnesses liked the blacks. What? Never mind. Dude, they had Prince. Prince was a Jehovah's Witness. First, first yeah. of all, the almost the entire population population of Jehovah's Witnesses out here is black. <laughs> they're almost as weird as the Mormons. Almost. No, they're definitely weirder. I, I still oh, love they? the uh, I, I love the Eddie Izzard bit where he's talking with Jesus talking to God and he's like, the Mormons are from Mars, Dad. We've had it checked. <laughs> <laughs> 
But no, because the Jehovah's Witnesses believe that there's only like 13,000 people who are going into heaven. So 144,000. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. And, no, I, I, I'm a student of religion. I was raised Southern Baptist, which makes Mormons look like heretics. So. Mm-hmm. But I anyways, do love that their Kingdom Hall don't have any windows, so when the rapture comes, they don't have to watch others burn. That's nice. That's, that a, really that's a thoughtful. Yeah, that's real. Go to any Jehovah Witness building. There's no windows on it because when they're in there and the rapture comes, they don't have to watch the heathens burn. That's thoughtful. Well, that's fire insurance, kids. That's what that is. (laughs) It's about discomfort. Avoiding discomfort. Avoiding discomfort. There you go. I don't want to watch that. Okay. Well, speaking of avoiding discomfort, welcome to this week's episode of the Funny Books and Firewater Podcast. Uh, This is our uh, third week in our uh, month of autobiographies, and thank God this week, uh, although there is, you know, war and horrible things, it's not nearly as sad as other books, and uh, I actually have a cocktail for this week, so... uh, She still doesn't write it as though it's, like, super sad, which is weird. Mm Yeah, and there's, there's some fun, interesting things that I latched on to. But, uh, well, so we're starting to get maybe slightly back into our normal modus operandi. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of modus operandi, we have a uh, full accoutrement of people today. Um, so, uh, Mr. Fancy Pants seeking out limo rides to uh, go get groceries. We have Q. <laughs> I'm not getting limos for groceries. I'm trying to get a limo slash car service to uh, take us to the um, Watch Awards, for those of you in the D.C. area, it's the big community theater honors thing. Also, I'm super excited for this, so um, I washed and combed out my wig, and girl, she's looking real cute, and um, my Lady Carol is making me, it's almost cosplay, but not really, it's a dress made out of Wonder Woman material and stuff, so it's very Wonder Woman- Amazingness. I bought some gauntlets and a tiara. I had another friend who does nail art named um, Jeanette um, paint me up some big fake nails that are Wonder Woman themed. So, girl, I'm going to be real cute at this event next week. I appreciated um, your Snapchat of your wig progress. That yeah, was good. Yes. I mean, she, she looks real cute now. She's real big. Also, just in the realm of theater things, uh, we're in the middle of Tempest rehearsals, which is going to be super fun. Thank God I'm only in, like, three scenes. Um, <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, we're going to be having Sister Act audition soon, which is super exciting. And then we're booked for a cabaret in um, Maryland at the New Deal Cafe. It's going to be June 4th. 2017. It's a Sunday night. Um, it's just starting the process of putting it all together. We've got a few months. So um, it's going to be exciting. It's, you know, a performance night. It's not really paid, but there are tips. So for those of you in the area want to come on over to the New Deal Cafe in Greenbelt, um, mm-hmm. get your dollars ready because, you know, Mama needs to buy some new wigs and wig shampoo. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> I love you, Q. (laughs) You just made my day. So if he was there, he would definitely be showing you his tips. Uh, We have Adam. Hey, what's up? I'm too tired for this shit right now. Uh, I'm I'm in the middle of... I'm, I'm one week away from inventory, so I'm in hell right now. This is like this is worse for me than the holidays, so I'm just delirious every single day. Um, but yeah, catch me uh, over on Big Shiny Robot. Uh, I'm actually I can officially say this. I am now the movie reviews editor. 
So, doesn't doesn't mean anything special. It just means I'm I can say it. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of fun doing all that over there. And uh, obviously, we're we're listening to this a couple weeks in advance. But tonight is Oscar night, so we're prepping to go have fun with uh, the Martins and do some do some illegal betting in uh, Utah Ooh. on the Oscars. And uh, also, yeah, see me over at uh, Board as Hell Podcast with our good friend Andy Wilson. Hi, Andy. Hey, Andy. So, uh, also uh, interested in working at a location day job. I don't know. I got nothing. Uh, we got Todd. Hi, I'm Todd. I'm back. You can find me here on the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. And hi, Andy. Also, hi, I just, Andy. I just what? want to throw that in. <laughs> Thank you. Well, hi, Andy. It's you, too. <laughs> So, yep, this is about it. I'm not in any shows. I'm not. I just, I did see the Lego Batman movie last night, by the way, and it's awesome. It's awesome. And we have a friend in it. I, I, mm. yeah, oh, you were here last week. So, you remember uh, when we had, like, a guest DJ for a little while who was doing some background music for yeah. us? So, in Lego Batman, and this isn't really a spoiler, but in the scene where he goes to the party and mm-hmm. he first meets Robin, so they have the band that's performing, right? The band yes. is Richard Cheese and Lounge Against the Machine. And, like, oh, literally, awesome. they did Lego figures of the entire band. And my buddy, who is the keyboard player for Richard Cheese and Lounge Against the Machine, he goes by the stage name of Bobby Ricotta. He was the one who was doing our music for us, who didn't have a, a DJ name that we never really figured it out for him. Mm-hmm. But he's in it. Like, there's literally Lego figure of him. So I, I text, sent him a text about it, and he goes, I'm like, this is awesome. He goes, he goes, it's probably one of the greatest, like, things that's ever happened. Like, he's super proud of, of being a Lego <laughs> figure in the Lego Batman movie, which is pretty awesome. And he got to go to a premiere for it and see it early and stuff like that, so it was great. So that's also yeah. uselessly the second Batman movie he's been in. So... Mm. Because they also did two songs for the Batman vs Superman soundtrack, and okay. uh, and they recorded those months in advance, and and, was, and so I knew that they were going to be in it well before the movie came out. It was actually kind of cool. So, nice. uh, but yeah. Anyway, you got anything else? Nope. That's it. Yep. Cool. And then uh, I'm Brian. I have a day job that obviously I can't talk about. Um, I have other jobs, some projects coming up that contracts haven't shown up yet. So I'm, I don't know if I'm going to say anything about them or not. Uh, but I'm also sound designing a video game called Killing, comma, my friend. Um, and, uh, you know, there'll be voices for people you recognize. And I'm trying to throw in some fun movie references and things like that. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see how that all turns out. And this week we are doing uh, Persepolis. Is I, am I saying that right before I get too far into this? I thought it was Persepolis, but I could Persepolis. also be wrong. I've always said Persepolis. That's just me, though. Persepolis. Persepolis. I just... Let's go with that. I just want to, like, consistent... If, if I'm going to fuck it up, I want to fuck it up the same way as everybody. So, yes, we're reading Persepolis, which is a uh, autobiographical tale, as we are doing mm-hmm. all this month, uh, about a young girl growing up in a revolutionary torn uh, war-torn Iran, um, who uh, then eventually has to uh, sort of flee, goes away to school. We'll, we'll get into it when we get into uh, the later details. Uh, we're trying various ways to give people heads up as to whether or not we think that they should read this book before it comes in, uh, or before they actually you know, buy it or listen to the rest of the episode and have a spoil it. Do we want to try grades again? Does that work for people? Sure. People just want to say, yeah. nay or nay, how do we want to do this? Uh, I just think we need clarification on our mm-hmm. rating scale. Okay. So, I feel as though the, our, if our rating scale is the urgency in which you need to read this book versus what we actually like the book about, or is it what we grade the book overall? I think it was a mistake of mine originally to say urgency in which we'd read the book. Um, mm-hmm. I think the second option is better as to like the overall quality of the book because yeah, urgency of, of getting to the book doesn't necessarily imply quality of the book as well. So I think general like yes, it is a very well done book, fun, good story. You know the way like if you turn this book into a teacher at school, what would that teacher give this? 
project, okay. I guess, would be a better way of describing it. I'm gonna go with a B plus in that regards. I, I think it's a great book, I actually really like it. Um, I think mm -hmm. there are some small little things that maybe didn't jive with me or that I felt maybe could have been done a little differently. As, as I was describing with my wife last night, not to get too much into spoilery territory, I also mm -hmm. watched the film last night, and so in my opinion, the book and the movie of this are very similar. There are some things the book does a little bit better than the movie, and there's some things the movie does a little bit better than the book, but all in all, the two of them together are both pretty equal in my mind. Um, so if you uh, don't want to actually read words, um, there's always... Well, of course, the, the movie's in French, so you're going to read anyway. So um, you can either read a comic <laughs> book or you can watch the movie. But that's that's sort of my two cents on it, uh, without being too spoilery. Uh, Todd, what are your thoughts? I'm going to go ahead and give it a B. Um, I enjoyed the movie as well and everything. It's... Just watching on the B, there are, I do have some issues with it as well, and I'm not sure if it's autobiography burnout or what's going on there, but I'll talk about okay. it later. But I'll give it a solid B. Uh, yep. Q, what are your thoughts? Um, I would get, I would give this um, an A minus uh, okay. because I, I feel like as a, because especially because I only read, I only got the first book. I didn't realize that there was a second one, but I had seen the movie previously mm. a few years ago so I still kind, kind of know what what happens later in her life um, but I feel like this explained and I'll, I'll just say it now um, this this really was a good child's eye view of what it would be like to grow up during a political revolution where things are very confusing you feel like you're saying the right thing but then you didn't say the right thing because your teacher says this your parents say that you don't know what the difference is between saying something privately at home and out in public um so i i i really i, I thought it was a very good point of view uh adam um so i'm uh, on the cusp of a b plus and an a minus uh what i love is like again like like you said this is really cool to see a revolution from a child's point of view and also it's kind of a glimpse into a world that i don't think many americans know much about mm -hmm. i mean we can we, you'll i think most people like know i've seen the movie argo which kind of mm -hmm. describes some of the events that take place in this book uh but the whole iranian revolution is something that's it was so long ago and it's far away and it's something that we don't think about we just know that oh you know oh muslims and you know terrorists rah, 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 mm -hmm. and it's, that's what you know the, the trump version is um but no, this puts a face on what happened, and it explains, you know, why the Iranian people were upset and why they're angry, and legitimately so to this day at us for what you know we did to them back in the 50s. And uh, it's really cool seeing a strong female voice in a, a land that doesn't always recommend or even or even demonizes that. So yeah, I mm -hmm. like it a lot. Good solid score, right around sort of the same ballpark for everybody, which is fantastic. So now is your turn uh, if you would like to read it, and it sounds like most of us would recommend that you do. Mm -hmm. You can pause it, and uh, we'll hit, we'll wait out, we'll hang out, we'll wait out, we'll hang out uh, while you press pause, and uh, we'll just you know we'll just chill, we'll talk amongst ourselves. Take your time to read it. It's kind of a long book. Um, like Q mentioned though, um, it is two parts. There's part one, there's part two, or you can do what I did, I'm assuming some other people did, and buy what they call The Complete Persepoli, which I believe was mm -hmm. published after the movie came out, um, and has both parts to it. I recommend that because I feel like I read the first part and then went, oh shit, like if I'd only read the first part, I kind of would really want to know what happens next. So yeah, so now's your time to read it, and uh, we will take a short break, and then we will see you on the flip side. If you have yet to read this week's book, and would like to read it now, press pause. Go ahead. We'll wait. 
So I was watching an interview with Lawrence Fishburne on John Wick 2, but politics came up, and I rather enjoyed. He refers to the president exclusively as 45. I've seen a lot of people doing that. That's what a lot of my friends do, yeah. Yeah. I really kind of rather like that because it's not... Sometimes I have issues like that's not my president. Well, he is. Whether we like it or not, he is. But once again, you're not yeah. giving him the attention necessarily he'd be craving for. Yeah, because he, he wants his name going down in history if he's just known as 45. It's and just making, 45. And it's just like, yeah, yeah, it's 45. That's what it is right now and going on. And I really rather enjoy that perspective much better than having a derogatory or a um, very dismissive or that one doesn't count for me kind of because the the hard thing with me too is like i i honestly really do respect the position Uh, you Mm -hmm. know you're leader of the free world um i don't i don't respect the person who holds that office so it's it it makes it difficult because you know i I, i've said some very very horrible things (laughs) on facebook about that and it's it's hard because you went from, I mean, no matter what you want to think about Obama, at least he may not have been a perfect president, but he he, he was at least an upright stand-up person, you know, who yeah, did do. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Disagree with what he did, but I don't think anyone, unless you're a horrible person, could disagree that he really did love this country and made decisions in the best interest he thought for the country. Whereas now you've got someone who um, is legitimately attacking the free press, which of all the yeah. fucking things he's done, and I'll talk about it more when we get later on in this episode, like that's yeah. the one that pisses me off the most because I may be just some you know, you know shitty little film critic, but I'm a member of the press and fuck that. Yeah. So that just that ooh pisses me off. Right. So, but I think I am going to be adopting the 45 moniker because I yeah, rather like that idea. That's what I'm going to do too. And the other thing I like about the 45 concept, though, is is that 45 in particular is one of those people who is so egotistical that he wants his name to go down in history. So even mm-hmm. if it goes down in infamous infamacy, like a uh, you know a Lee Harvey Oswald, or in a presidential standpoint, a uh, a Richard Nixon, his name is still going down. You know, what I mean, because like you you remember Washington, you remember Lincoln, you might 16. remember Roosevelt. You know, what I mean, like there's certain presidents, but you don't necessarily remember all of them. Like I don't, I know, like I definitely could not name all 45 presidents because, like, there are presidents who I'm not necessarily certain, like, if there actually were a president or if it was just someone famous from that time frame. Like, I'm always kind of confused. I'm like, was Warren G. Harding actually a president or was he just someone famous from the time frame? I'm never quite certain on that. You know so, what I mean? The other thing I like about 45 and its statement in and of itself is a kind of a commentary on this too shall pass. Yeah, no, that's true. That's very true. So, yeah. But, yeah. Actually, if you type in 45 into Google, the first thing that pops up is a daily diary of Donald Trump's administration from Politico. Oh, <laughs> and then next is CNN politics, but it's all fake news, so who cares? Yeah. Right. Oh, of course. Yeah. Very fake news. Well, I mean, this is a book about political revolution as well. Um, mm-hmm. So as I was talking to Q earlier, um, as we dive back into this, uh, I, I think because this book is so in-depth, doing a full, like, blow-by-blow recap for a, uh, a lightning round would be very difficult, but I think I'm going to take on the moniker and do a very brief summary of this book as my own lightning mm-hmm. round. If any of you feel like there's a major detail I'm missing, please be feel, feel free to shout out and join in. Begins now. Basically, we start out this book. It's about a young girl whose family is part of this revolution that's happened. There's political upheaval. They're basically entering, like, they're protesting, they're, that kind of thing. They enter into sort of a civil war. Their country uh, of Iran becomes kind of war-torn. You know, they're weakened by different leaders and things changing up. Ultimately, the, the regime changes and becomes far more religious. And, they, you know, she has to start wearing a, a hijab or a scarf over her head. 
Yeah, the call is uh, wearing the veil, they say. Yeah, wearing the veil. So they have to start, start wearing that and stuff like that. She still kind of has that rebellious quality that she got from her parents and is very into American, you know, rock and roll and, you know, punk rock. Although I find it very funny that they think that Michael Jackson and punk rock are the same thing, but that's a totally different issue. So these, you know, her outspoken nature uh, eventually gets into her trouble and in, you know, this environment of this war-torn country, her parents decide that it's better to send her off to go get some schooling in Europe. So she ends up going to Vienna where she has a hard time kind of melding in for various different reasons, different, you know, problems with different people. And I, I feel like I probably was one of these where like one of those high school students who feels like they're completely totally intellectual and into you know this idea of nihilism and whatnot and you know and then she kind of was like you know you're full of shit like because my family actually has died for a belief system that you're calling bullshit kind of thing which is a great moment in that so ultimately she ends up kind of kind of running away from one of her homes that she's living in for reasons I feel like are kind of silly but that's a totally different issue but she basically has a bad breakup ends up running away from home the, the home that she was living in in Vienna ends up homeless passes out wakes up in a hospital calls her parents eventually goes back to Iran. She's in Iran, she goes to school, meets a guy, they get in a little bit of trouble for kind of dating in public because it's not really allowed there. They end up getting married, it's a terrible marriage. Ultimately by the end she decides, you know what, I'm just gonna go alone. So they get divorced and she takes off to Paris. Um, as she's about to leave for Paris, she says goodbye to her grandmother who was outside of her parents with close to people she was with. And unfortunately that's the last time she ever sees her grandmother and end of story. And scene. And scene. That is the most, like, this is a thick book. There's a lot to it. That is one of the fastest ways I can describe what happens in this book. Did I miss anything major that anybody feels like I should have covered? No. 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 That's, that's, that's really the highlights. I, I, I mean, just kind of prefacing, which um, we kind of do a lot, is that this book is also really dense. So there's yeah. just, and, and as a, you know, someone's actual life story, there's just a lot of what seem like insignificant details, but are still kind of fun little stories, like her parents smuggling her posters of Kim Wilde. And, yeah. And uh, who was the other one? Um, but, but back from Turkey. Iron Maiden. She's really an Iron Maiden. Iron I know that Iron comes up a couple times. Yeah. Like, yeah, so, I mean, there, there's, it's full of, like, lots of little anecdotes and little chapters, but at the same time, it's not, like, super important, but... I will say, she has some of the most awesome parents ever in this regard. Right? Letting, trying to let her be her is like, you need to be you. This is not necessarily the place for you to be you. We're going to send you somewhere else. But if you want to come back, you're welcome. Or if you need to leave again, we understand. Mm -hmm. But we really just want you to find yourself and achieve you-ness. So hats off. These are amazing parental figures in this regard. I think it's portrayed that way, yeah. Yeah, and allowing her to be as free as a woman in a country that does not allow mm -hmm. freedom for women uh, like they do, I mean, that's it's great of them as parents, but it's also just terrifying as a parent to, I would imagine, not being a parent. Well, which is which is why I think at the end of book one, why they finally realize that we've obviously Get raised our daughter yeah. to yeah. not follow this regime, so we should probably have her Send leave. Her yeah. Well, yeah. it's it's funny too, just because the whole uh, the whole idea behind the Islamic Revolution was, you know, they wanted change, they wanted to bring things about to make things different, and then you got that, and it's completely different, maybe than what you thought you were going to get, and especially from the beginning when they were out protesting, and you know, like, oh, you know, the, you know, you know, fuck the Shah, this and that, and then you got something that was more oppressive and worse than you would you were expecting mm -hmm. and I think that's kind of mm -hmm. that's kind of what we got right now well and like <laughs> I, I actually felt a lot of those parallels when reading yeah. this book actually mm -hmm. a lot of them and one of the other ones that I, I, I 
was an interesting parallel that I thought was the veil conversation where they talk about the women all have to wear veils because they're too distracting to the men. You know, mm-hmm. and like I mean, I've seen so many things in schools where girls, you know, their their uh, their clothing is more heavily dictated than the boys. Um, that kind of thing. Like, and I could. I, it's, I don't feel like it's sad to say, but like if you had a very oppressive, even Christian belief system come into power in America, I could completely see something similar to that happening. You know, sure. I feel like it would be railed against significantly. But, you know, in the per- current political climate, in a weird fucked up way, it does not seem completely out of the realm of possibilities. Like, no. you know, you can kind of sit there and see how this would happen. You know what I mean? That's how to people would think they were going for something better and then the oppression comes in and you know as the systems weakened different things happen like and and i think that's the other nice thing about this book is seeing it from a very personal perspective it it puts a human face but also an experience on it so it almost makes more sense as to what it was like for everyday human like interaction during all this wartime and all and kind of brings it to life in a weird way that you know facts of like okay well then this army moved in and then they did this and this like that kind of stuff doesn't really tell you much about what the experience was like and it doesn't necessarily resonate with me that much mm-hmm. whereas reading someone's personal story like this and seeing that i mean you're like oh okay you kind of get a much better grasp as to what the experience probably was like mm-hmm. well and I, I can tell you as, as from personal experience growing up being raised uh, southern baptist and not like the the nice southern baptist this was almost like cult status i mean mm-hmm. it, it, it's funny people say like you know how can someone be brainwashed or this and that but as someone oh, who grew not- up in that and you know, now looks back and sees like, oh yeah, I was fucking brainwashed. Because when you're when you're 10 years old, and you know the people you look up to and the people you believe in are telling you things, you disagree with it because that's what you're told to believe. And yeah. mm-hmm. uh, you know, it took a very very long time for me to get out of that mindset and become you know and become a, a quote unquote normal person again. But yeah, the the oppressiveness of any kind of religious regime could, like I said, could possibly happen. But yeah. The, if it happened here with a, a fundamentalist Christian worldview, which again, there's nothing wrong with religion. I don't care if you're Christian, if you're Muslim, if you're Buddhist, if you're Jedi. Catholic, Jedi, whatever. That's fine. You believe what you want to believe. Where I draw the line is when you cross over from this is my belief into fundamentalism, because fundamentalist beliefs of any religion is wrong and is where the problem is. That's where you get the that's the extreme side of any kind of religion or thought process, and those are the ones who you know unfortunately give everyone a bad name. I mean, you look at you know the Westboro Baptist Church, the God hates fags people. They give Christians a bad name because they're that fringe. You look at Islamic terrorists like ISIS; they're the fringe of the Muslim world. So you, you look at any kind of fundamentalist regime, and that's where you have your problems. And that's reading this book. It's, it's what made me so angry. It was because. You know, again, it's a viewpoint that we don't always, we haven't seen, we haven't lived through, and for most of us nowadays, this is again ancient history. So, being able to see it through the eyes of someone who, in this perspective, was very much the one who was being persecuted because she was a woman, mm-hmm. um, it, it pissed me off. Like I, I read this book pissed because yeah. I, I don't believe life is fair, but I do believe life is just, and I have a very, very strong sense of justice. So. This kind of shit pisses me off, and I'm glad I read it. It was a wonderful book, but at the same time, it's like I just want to go. I want to be able to dive into the book and go slap some people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is, I don't necessarily know if I was pissed reading this, but I, what I did identify or what I loved about was her standing up for it, her calling out people's hypocrisy, like that kind of thing. I think made this book far more readable and made me personally not pissed off while reading it. Yet, there's shitty things that happen in it, but you know, it did make me personal, personally pissed off, kind of thing. So to bring up again, like you were talking about being brainwashed, like. Her, uh, Mar- 
and I, I don't want to say is if it's Marjan or Marjane. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming it's Marjane, how to pronounce her name. Like, growing up, she just, you know, when little kids are little kids, they just repeat what you say to them. Like, when she always had, like, one-up somebody about, oh, we have more heroes in our family because my uncle lost a, a leg and an arm and, a, you know, all of this other stuff. So, you know, th- there there is some of that in there, but, like, the fact that she as a child, immediately started picking up on those things and being like, well, wait, this isn't right. Wait, why mm-hmm. do I have to wear this uncomfortable thing again? And and then, like, she's like, well, last week you told us that the Shah was from God. Why are we now ripping him out of our textbooks? And they're like, oh, you can't say that. You're, go, you know, go sit in the corner. And she's like, but, but seriously, though, you just said last week mm-hmm. that this guy was sent to us from God. And then the other teacher is like, we don't have political prisoners. And she's like, how dare you lie to us? Yeah, like you, you know, I'm not falling for this bullshit anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're all we're all here. We all see what's going on. We all know that we have family members and friends, and you know, we've seen people die, and you know, all all of that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, it. Even though this book is takes a much, and then to kind of change a little bit, even though this book takes on a much more serious subject matter, I think than than the other two because it's throughout the entire book it's not just like okay uh, and then someone dies of AIDS or you know I I lost you know I lost my kid like you know this is like revolutionary war like this is uh, you know obviously ongoing and still happening um, in, in the Middle East I feel like she's st- because of the cartoony nature of the drawing and the childlike um, naivete coming through, I think it makes it just a little bit more palatable, even though, mm-hmm. you know, when, um, you know, when, like, her, the, the one Jewish girl down the street died in the bombing, and, you know, her uncle was executed, and, the, you know, there was that refugee girl who died, you know, mm-hmm. it was still very sad and very shocking, but I, I don't know, I, it's, it's kind of like a weird thing, like, you, you still don't, it's not like you get bogged down by the sadness, I think it does get you, kind of like what Adam said, kind of get you more you know, righteous anger, being like, no, this is yeah. wrong. This stuff is wrong, and you know, you you want her to continue to fight and continue to speak her mind. And so then, when you're like, oh, good, she's out of there, and she gets to and she gets to go to uh, to Vienna. Um, I do like the way because I did get a chance to rewatch the first two minutes of the movie before I was like, all right. Uh, it, it, was, it was on YouTube, and so it was like really small, and they didn't have subtitles. And I'm like, oh shit, don't be crunch. But like the movie starts with her trying trying to go back, and she's in the bathroom putting putting on her veil, and like the woman in the bathroom is giving her all kind of eyes, you know. And, and she just like she's like, f you, I have to go home because if I don't wear this, then I'm gonna get killed or mm-hmm. arrested or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, even when like they they almost get arrested, and they have to pay them off to. You know, keep from being tortured. It's yeah. The, yeah. The, uh, it, again, it brings me back to what I mentioned during our, the break before, you know, was my biggest, biggest problem right now with the whole Trump thing is his attack on the free press. Because I'm sorry, just because you don't agree or like something doesn't mean it's fake news. And the fact that you've got morons who are buying into this whole fake news <clears throat> conspiracy theory is like, Oh, it just, you, you have to have a free press. You've got to have people out there who are looking, digging in and doing things. And anyone who wants to suppress that, you know, I'm sorry. That's, that is what a dictatorship starts as. It starts with demonizing the free press. And like I, like I said off, like off air as well, it's like, I may only be a, a shitty little movie critic, but mm-hmm. I am part of the press and I am 
I do have journalistic integrity, and the fact that people out there are saying like, oh, well, you're all just a bunch of fake news people pisses me the fuck off because guess what? I've never had to retract one thing I've ever written or posted because I do my fucking due diligence. So if you're going to sit mm-hmm. there and tell me I'm fake news, fuck you and fuck your mom. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So in a funnier, lighter side note, uh, so a buddy of mine, um, they, they posted a, a story of him. He's guest lighting designing at Auburn University. And the thing that cracked me up is obviously the person who wrote this article was a college student who just did a quick Wikipedia search and didn't actually do any research because they claimed that he had just come from the uh, lighting designing the Academy Award winning musical Sunset Boulevard. And I was like, okay, (laughs) I hate to tell you this kid, but that won an Academy Award for best screenplay in like 1956. Yeah. And I'm like, this musical is a remount of a Tony Award-winning musical starring what's her name? Glenn Street, Clark. Meryl Streep. Uh, is it? Gl- no, oh, it is Glenn Close, right? Yeah, it's Glenn Close. And I'm like, so it's like it's just funny because he was like the assistant lighting designer on that, and like, so like that oh, 50, quick sorry. little wick. 1915. Sorry. <laughs> 1915. Okay, but yeah. so anyway, but yeah, but that's the point. Which like it was one of those things that kind of cracked me up. I was like, yeah, journalistic integrity. Like you, more than a wiki, five-minute Wikipedia search will probably help you out on that. Um, so. I have a cocktail for this one, partially because they actually drink in this one. Um, I don't necessarily feel... We kind of felt guilty in the last couple of weeks of having booze. Well, because they were about death and destruction, so... <laughs> death and destruction and all uh-huh. sorts of stuff. Uh, so I found... This is from a website called My Persian Kitchen, uh, which I've been to a few Persian restaurants. My ex-girlfriend, longest probably relationship I had before I dated... Uh, my now wife, uh, she was half Persian and half Filipino. That's a mix. It was a very interesting <laughs> mix. Uh, I, I used to joke that uh, she couldn't drive, but when she did drive, she, uh, when she did get in a car, she suddenly wanted to blow it up, which was a terrible, horrible joke <laughs> that she thought was right. <laughs> That's amazing. Her mother actually had to uh, to flee Iran because her uh, grandfather worked for the Shah. So when the Shah was overthrown, they ended up going to England, and then her mother eventually came over to America and settled in Los Angeles, and that's where she met her father and all that kind of stuff. So, But I have been... There's actually an amazing Persian restaurant, and it's weird because it is like next to a Chevron gas station. It's in Anaheim, California, and uh, I've eaten there a few times. So Persian cuisine is pretty interesting stuff, but so there's something very specific in this drink, but this drink's called a Persian Rose, and it is two ounces of gin, one and three quarters ounce of sweet lemon juice, which is, it's it's a very specific lemon. It's not like a normal standard Meyer lemon. It's a, a lemon, like you have to kind of find a... Uh, a Persian grocer to actually carry this. So then it's a half ounce of regular lemon juice, a half ounce of cherry herring, or you can substitute any other cherry liqueur, uh, a quarter ounce of rose water, a quarter ounce of agave nectar. Um, You put that all into a glass, you shake the shit out of it. The full details will be on our website, Uh, but there is a lovely little Persian cocktail. And I kind of like the the idea of the Persian rose because it kind of reminded me of the, there's the image that they have. They they play it up more in the movie than in the the book, but the the discussion she has of her grandmother putting uh, jasmine flowers um, in her bra every day and Mm -hmm. like like that kind of like, so it it was kind of tying into that idea for me at least. Uh, Does anybody else have a cocktail for this week? I do. So um, so again, they do drink and I did find there is a liqueur that they drink in in Persia, but I was like, eh, it's a, it's it's much like the rest of the sort of Mediterranean area. It's like a sambuco kind of thing, and I was like, that sounds gross. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> instead, I agree. I, 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 I thought I thought a little deeper, and uh, Marjan or Marjane actually means coral, meaning coral the because um, coral is an animal. In case y'all didn't know, uh, the, um, the coral, not the, just the color coral. Um, so I looked up a coral cocktail, and also it kind of ties in a little bit with what Brian was saying, because there are there is some 
flowery images, though it has St. Germain in it, which is an elder, elder flower cocktail. So uh, it's called the Coral Cocktail. It is two ounces of Plymouth Gin, one ounce of St. Germain, three-fourths of an ounce of Aperol, which is an apple liqueur, and then club soda. So you just shake everything together, sh shake the liquors together, pour it into a glass of ice, and then top with club soda. And garnish with a lemon or any other kind of fruit thing, and it's supposed to be a very pretty coral color. Other than the ginger ale, I think I have all of those ingredients at home right now, actually. Well, it's club soda, not ginger ale. Oh, yeah, but I mean, sorry, yeah, the club soda. <laughs> uh, yeah. Other than that, I, I have all that stuff. So mine, actually, I'm going with a, uh, a kind of like a mint julep type thing. It's actually, a, you make a, a, a mint lemonade. So you, you make a, a, a simple syrup, you boil a quarter cup of water with a quarter cup of sugar. You mix that with two cups of water, uh, the juice from six lemons, and you take a half cup of uh, mint leaves, put it all in a blender, blend the fuck out of it, and then strain it out <laughs> so like the mint leaves don't you know, get in your teeth. And then you take th six ounces of that and you add it to two ounces of Bacardi Limon. You shake over ice and then you strain out and garnish with a le uh, lemon wedge. So, so it's very... At, at, at all of the um, Persian restaurants that I've been to, they always give you a mint iced tea or, mm, yeah. or mint lemonade, yeah. So yeah, actually, it's it's uh, it's a mint lemonade, uh, a Middle Eastern mint lemonade recipe that I just added a Bacardi to. So, <laughs> uh, Todd, did you end up coming up with a cocktail for this week? I did not. Okay. I th looking at it, and I, my perception of this as you watch this, though, I think the characters are uh, would do more hardcore and just do their alcohol straight without making a cocktail. Wait, so, yeah. so if I was gonna pick something, I'd probably go Q style and just find a cheap bottle of vodka and drink <laughs> that with well, it. And, or, or, or I mean, to be to be more Persian, there. Is uh -huh. the uh, what it's, I think it's called a rock a r a k. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, it's a rock a r a k or a r a q, and it's um, mm -hmm. just an alcohol. So you mix it with just a little bit of water over ice, and it's like mm -hmm. a licorice -y type of thing. Oh. So, so, so why don't you use that one, Todd? Even oh, though thank you, both, you, both you and I do not like. Because I've got a bottle of Uzo and a bottle of Sambaca, and I can't wait for Brian to come because it hits. I hate, Uzo. I hate Uzo the Passion. Gross. I've got them both, and I'm just like, this will last for time and all eternity in my cabinet because it's never going to get consumed. So, uh, sorry, one more interesting thing about Iraq is that um, it is clear, but when you mm -hmm. mix it with water, it gets cloudy. Yeah, uh, Sambuca does the same thing. It so does. It's, it's, it's because of whatever the chemicals are in the, you know, science. Yeah. Science, science words. Science <laughs> words. So we'll go with that, the Iraq. Magnets, bitch. Oh. Ignore her. She drinks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, I don't know what else to really say about this book. I like all the little stories. I like that there's mm -hmm. like some history lessons. It's definitely like political and and again, I think I think it's more easier to digest because it is coming from a child's perspective, especially in the beginning. And mm -hmm. then and then because you're kind of already with her as she grows up, you're like, yeah, girl, I got you. You you keep speaking. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, it, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I, I think one of the things I liked about this book a lot is there are lots of little little pieces here and there that I identified with. Mm -hmm. um, and, and some of them were kind of weird ways. Like, um, But one of the ones I thought was really interesting, I'm going to try to punt this down, but she talks about having these comic books that tell the stories of like Marx and like these different revolutionary ideas and whatnot. And I actually mm -hmm. had a bunch of comic books like that in college. Um, and I'd forgotten about them until they're talking about this. And so like, and I was like, shit, where are those? And I know that like last time I was home, uh, at my parents' house, I happened to, my parents have like stored all this shit for me in their basement. And I remember seeing this 
bucket, like this big, you know, bin. It's a clear bin that had like a bunch of my books from college. So when I'm home in a couple of weeks, I'm mm. gonna go down there. I'm gonna see if I can find these things because I remember I'm like, shit, those were awesome. Like, cause it, like it was like, you know, Freud psychology, but it was in like a comic book form, and it was, you know, Marxist, you know, but it was all their belief systems explained in a comic book form and like, she describes something like that I'm like shit I've had something like that I really want to find those the other thing I mean like I loved her obviously the connection to uh, American pop culture uh, and from a from a you know a foreigner perspective I thought that was uh, I thought was interesting um, mm-hmm. the other thing I thought was for me personally very interesting was it's hard for me to describe this sometimes and actually I've had these conversations recently even with my wife is growing up in a very religious environment and not to this completely strict regime but like and sort of a very strict social environment uh, that is growing up in Utah. Sometimes some of those things really stick with you in a long, long term. It's like, even though I haven't lived in Utah since like 2003, there are still sometimes I catch myself with thought processes that I grew up with that I've just never really reanalyzed. And sort of like ways I think about things that I'm realized that's not necessarily my current perspective or the way that the world really actually works. It's just something that I believed as a child. Um, and, and never really kind of worked over. So there was that interesting piece of it. But the other thing I felt really interesting about was growing up as a child, I always felt that there was this, because getting in trouble from a policeman or getting in trouble from your parents or religious figure, it was getting in trouble as a child. So I always viewed the, like, sort of this connection between church and state of just being in trouble. So, like, I always, like, I lived outside of Utah for almost a couple years before I stopped feeling guilty going to the grocery store on Sunday and I felt like I was going to get pulled over by a cop. Now, logically speaking, there is no reason whatsoever I would get pulled over by a cop, but because of that that connection of ideas in my head from growing up, that was very interesting. But it was kind of interesting in this one to see it in actuality where there is a connection between church and state and where the cops can tell you you're being immodest or whatever. And like that was kind of an interesting, like, yeah, what I was thinking was completely fucking stupid. That's the real deal there. You know what I mean? Which I thought was pretty pretty interesting for that as well. Well, it's, it's really interesting too because uh, Eddie Eddie's dad uh, was in the military. So when he was growing up, he actually went to, I think it was kindergarten in uh, Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. And mm-hmm. they lived on a military base, and it was always it, he always tells me stories that you know when they would go out actually into Riyadh was it, you know his mom would have to wear the scarf and she couldn't drive anywhere so she had to you know have to take taxis because women couldn't drive uh-huh. um, she couldn't go in certain places unless his dad was there with her because women weren't allowed to go in certain shops and places unless the man is present and yeah so it, it's just funny because again like like we said before is as far removed as some of this seems from us. I mean, literally speaking, the, this kind of culture has impacted even people I know and love. I had an aunt and uncle live in Saudi Arabia, so it, it was. I think it was before um, my cousin was born because Wyatt was born in '84. Um, and they're you have a cousin same. named Wyatt and a brother named no, Wyatt. No, no, I'm sorry. I I, I meant before because Wyatt and Jess are the oh. same age. Um, okay, gotcha. So I was confused. I'm like, wait, but, you but, have a cousin but, and a brother named no, the same thing? No, okay. but, but I mean, but no, it, they told similar similar stories about mm-hmm. how you know it was it was just kind of scary and weird, but that they also did enjoy being there and experiencing a different culture. But, but they're also in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Well, also like they would have to they, they would have to go to like because they're Catholic, so they'd have to go to like church in secret because they weren't allowed to have Catholic religion, you know, mass and everything else. And I don't know. It's I, again, I've. I absolutely have no problem with religion. Just the religion mm-hmm. extremism is what pisses me off, and which gives everyone a bad name. So I just here in Salt Lake, there is a uh, homeless outreach volunteer thing called the Burrito Project, and it's basically this one place provides the kitchen and the food, and you go there, you can roll burritos, and you go and you um, hand out food to the homeless. It's kind of the idea, regardless of what it is, you've got to do it. But so I do that about once a month. 
their wives and kids. But once again, the wives were completely um, perked up in the whole thing. And they weren't allowed to talk to anyone else or do anything. Everything was still filtered through the husband and nothing else. And you can even hear them talking in English amongst each other. But still, the able to uh, interact with anyone outside of their husbands was still a no-go. So even here in Salt Lake, and some of that stuff, that culture can prevail and may not necessarily be as far as one might think it is. Um, okay, so here's the other thing. This is completely my American... Uh naivete about that was anyone else surprised to find out that there was snow in iran like i was like holy shit it snows in iran well i'm sure if they live up in the mountains i just had never thought about it i I mean but to me but to me some people only equate utah with the desert so to them snowing in utah is weird although every time i tell someone i'm from utah like oh it's beautiful like oh no no one lives where it's beautiful everyone lives north of that like where you're thinking like Actually, it's funny, my, my parents, uh, my mom was talking about she wants to move out of California, and she's like, I don't know where we'd move. I'm like, well, you can always come to Utah, and she's like, I love Utah. Like, I think we would, she's like, if we move there, we would move south of Provo, because she wants to live, like, in the in, in the beautiful part where, where uh-huh. no one lives. Yeah. Yeah, so, so, mom, if you're listening, first of all, shame on you, because I say bad things on here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and second of all, yes, I want you to move to Utah, because I love you. Well, like I said, no one lives where it's pretty. I mean, I don't know. Does anybody else have any final thoughts they want to throw in on that? So, so something else that I just liked was the fact that she was um, a huge Kim Wilde fan, which I sometimes forget is, you know, Kim Wilde was a thing that happened. Um, but and, and so and so when when she would sing her song "Kids in America," like she probably sang that, being like, "Yeah, I wish I was one of the kids in America." And today, not you know back then when when the story took place, but today when most people hear that song, they immediately think of Clueless because that's the song that plays in the opening credit. And you know, just just thinking about that, so she's singing this song because the reason that they use that song, obviously, in Clueless, is because you know that of that time, that's what kids in America were. They were rich kids who had closets that they could just walk into and have to have a computer system help them decide their outfits and you know drove car you know you know all all that kind of stuff so it's like just i'm you know just relating that imagery to this girl in iran singing that song was just kind of interesting to me that she just that she's being defiant being like fuck yeah i want to be a kid in america this plus sucks well, it's also like if you look at if you think that everyone outside of America views America based on our pop culture, you can realize why everyone fucking hates us. Oh, you know yeah, what I mean? Okay. Like that would make a lot. Like, cause like if I was basing a country based on Kim Kardashian, yeah, fuck that country. Oh, no, no, I, I can't stand her. I I have breaking sad comic book news. Oh, oh what's what? that? Uh, Patrick Stewart, he's alive. No, he's not dead. Uh, oh, yeah. Just said uh, that he is officially done with the X Men series. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that, that. I mean, but I mean, that's well because because Hugh Jackman said yeah. like you know, which by the way, Logan is fucking amazing. I'm sure we've all seen it five times now that this mm-hmm. comes out. Um, when Hugh Jackman said he's he's done with it, uh, Patrick Stewart piped up and said, um, "Oh well, no, I'll, I'll keep on doing it." And then he just said, uh, "He's he's he's done." But if you want to see something amazing, go watch uh, the Graham Norton episode with him, Hugh, and Hugh Jackman. Yes, <laughs> I, just, I watched it the other night. night. That he didn't know he was uncircumcised until he was like in his sixties. <laughs> <laughs> it is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. I sat here crying. I was laughing so hard. My, my, my favorite was uh, the Maggie Smith story from Ian McKellen. Oh yeah, Ian, Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart, who are just the best of friends, and I love when Patrick Stewart was up here uh, for Fanex, like uh, the first one we ever had. 
he told a story about how some um, some like tabloid in the UK, I think it was like the Daily Mail or something like that, uh, claimed that he was gay. And within 30 seconds of it posting, Ian McKellen texted him saying, welcome to the family. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to get those two in a room together and just have tea with them. I think it'd be so much fun. When we were in college, uh, I had I had the amazing Linda Linford as a professor. Oh, God. And uh, <laughs> so one of the things that we watched was the Royal Shakespeare Company. Um, there was like a, like a documentary that they had done or something about the company. And both Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart were a part of it at the time. And the X-Men movie had just come out like it, it was this was like 2001 2002 and i was just like <gasps> Are you saying that Professor X and Magneto actually were friends when they were younger? <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, I, I just love the fact that they're just two old queens living it up. My favorite Linda Linford story has to do with uh, when her dog was dying during the tech rehearsals for Pride and Prejudice. Oh, God. Okay, so she had this... Actually, Q, you'll have to tell your great story, too. Um, <laughs> but, because uh, I know which one you're going to think of. But so we have the set designer who I will... His name is Dennis. I won't say his last name. But, like, so, th- so her poor dog was dying, and like it, this dog was her baby. And so I felt for her on that respect. But so she's bringing this dog with her to rehearsals, because if it goes, she wants to be nearby when it happens. So she's sitting, like, there's this... In, you had to watch, be careful which aisle you were walking down, because, like, in one of them, there was this little dog bed and this dog there, right? And so... They were doing scene change rehearsals because it was this big, crazy show, and we're set doing all these, all these changes and all these changes and stuff like that. And they're just trying to get the rehearsal for the movements that happen right and all that sort of stuff. And Dennis eventually says, "Okay, okay, let's just stop right there because at this point in time, we're just stomping on dead puppies." And I was like, "Wait, oh. like I've heard of like beating a dead horse. I've never fucking heard of stomping on dead puppies until it is the most inopportune time to say stomping oh, on dead puppies." No, it was awful. But uh, Q, you want to tell your Linda Liver story? For so technically I was not there for this because I so there's a thing called pickup rehearsal for those of you who don't know theater where you come in um, like the second weekend um, of a show but you come in on a night that you're dark and you just sort of do the show you say all your lines, you hit all your marks you know, you sing all your songs and for the most part people take it fairly seriously but you know, you can kind of goof off a little bit but uh, I'm not a huge fan of like total goof, goofing off, but if you just do something like a little funny just to like break the tension because you know you're just fucking tired of the show at this point. So I was only in Act 1 with Pride and Prejudice, so I actually snuck out during intermission because I was just like, I got homework to do, I got, you know, I'm not doing this. This show was three hours long, it was awful. But <laughs> during Act 2, there is a scene where, um... Elizabeth is getting a tour of the house from from this maid, and the people who play the characters are statues or whatever. So our friend Amy is playing the maid, and while she's feather dusting the statues, aka the the actors, and she's like you know dusting them in, in inappropriate places, and you know <laughs> making people laugh, blah blah blah. So from the back of the theater, and again, this has only been told to me a thousand times. I was I wasn't actually there. <laughs> But you just hear, I teach her a book called Respect for Acting, and I see none of it here. <laughs> and then apparently, like, the whole cast, like, gathered in, and there was a huge fight between what was professional and what was inappropriate, and that she was a terrible director, and just all, all 
of this craziness happened. Um, I'm a little sad that I missed it. But also, in all of this, when they called in the cast, still no one noticed that I wasn't there. FYI. <laughs> <laughs> I was never called out on it. I, you know, No one ever said anything to me about it. But yeah, apparently I missed out on like intense intense stuff but oh yeah so I, I i do tell that story a lot and so anytime someone is taking things a little too seriously or goofing off too much i teach from book <laughs> called respect for acting <laughs> yeah oh oh linda here's the thing i i really did like linda um i definitely had a lot of empathy and sympathy for her because she was she was an older lady never had been married but had grown up and lived in utah her entire life so you know just think about how you know the social constructs work in utah and how she must feel disconnected from you know a lot of things but um but i i did like Lin linda she she definitely helped me through some troubling times because i was having issues and lord knows waking up for a 8 30 shakespeare class it's just not <laughs> happening when you're depressed. Yeah. And, um, but she, when, you know, when I talked to her, you know, she allowed me to, uh, to make up some things and, and, and all that. But I just remember the first day that I went into, cause I had two classes with her on uh, this one semester on Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. I had Shakespeare acting and then I had TV camera acting, which <sighs> anyway, um, but, uh, so when I would show up for the second class, I, you know, w one day I, I just finally went into her and I said, listen, I'm really sorry that I've been missing Shakespeare a lot, but, you know, I've just been really depressed lately and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, um, and she, she just really sympathized with me and, you know, she's, you know, are you okay? You know, there's counseling on campus that's free for students. And then she said, and if you ever need anything, I have a whole pharmacy in my purse. Just let me know what you need. <laughs> and I was like, I'll, no, thank you. But, uh. <laughs> But well, my my very first semester, I took acting one from her, and it was a very small class. It was me and I think six girls. We just all kind of bonded. That's how I met um, Kristen and one of Brian's ex girlfriends, uh, Patricia. <laughs> um, but I mean, we just kind of all bonded really quickly because you know there was just the six of us or the seven of us in that class. Um, but anyway, so I I don't I, I do badmouth Linda a lot because she was fucking crazy, but she also was a nice lady. Linda was crazy and she was very challenging, but mm -hmm. as a director working with her as a sound designer, she was both challenging and kind of brilliant in the way she used stuff. And I can never quite tell she's as a director, she is the closest person I've ever worked with who picked music that I felt was similar to the way Quentin Tarantino works. But I can never quite figure out if it was brilliant or she didn't give a fuck. Uh, like probably a mix of both. Because like the thing is like she would pick things that I would never pick because I'm like why would you fucking do that? But she would pick mm -hmm. these songs and like in my head the rules of, that I had set forth, I would never put those two things together. Like it really bothered me that things were you know not period or they didn't sound the same. But like she didn't care. And ultimately at the end it would be great. So like it was like a Quentin Tarantino movie where like it seems like this weird hodgepodge of music and things like that. But like in piecing it together, I was like there's no way woman like this is insane like what are you doing you know what i mean like because like in a straight play i would never think to use a song from a musical theater recording like that just doesn't seem like a cast album does not seem like the appropriate thing to put into something like that but she was like mm -hmm. no it's the right piece like and she would harken on to weird pieces of like a specific line of dialogue in a song she would want the entire song because of one line in. like it was very interesting like i, I just i could never quite figure her out but fascinatingly she, interesting to work with. Well, she was also the one who told me that I'd never get theater work if I didn't lose 30 pounds. 
Uh, I mean, she is. Uh, she definitely had had her faults, but she, she did have her faults. But but she, uh, in, in the end, she was a nice lady. I just think sometimes a little misguided and a little bit yeah. crazy. Anyway, okay, well, so we're at about our time, and we've now discussed musical theater because that's what we have to do every time we do this. Yeah. Uh, so do you want to do, uh, I mean, quick final thoughts? Uh, I mean, I, I think I've said just about everything I've loved about it. I think it's a, I think it is a yeah. fun read. I, I, th- I think it's solid, um, personally. I did give it a B because, like, I feel like uh, there's some things the movie does better and there's some things that the book does better. I identify with the character more, per- like, on a personal level from the book, but I think some of the symbolic images of war and death, I think, are done better in the film. But the two Probably combined together... Moving. Well, it is moving, but I think it's a little more representational. Uh, I think in the... Because a lot of the images look so similar in the movie, it's a starker contrast. You get that it's more representational. And so, therefore, like it feels bigger and it feels like a, a, a more broad gesture than it does in the book for me, if that makes any sort of sense. But, I, I mean, I think the combination of them, too, I think it's a great, interesting story. My only slight beef with it was as I got to the last page, I read the last line, and I flipped the page expecting there to be like something that sums it up a little bit. And there really wasn't, and that was like, and I didn't hate it for that. It was just like, a, oh, okay. It, it felt to me it kind of ended like The Sopranos, where it, like it's not quite. It's like almost it felt like it was in the middle of a thought, but not really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was like sort of like, and it just sort of stopped. And like I get why it stops there. I have no issues with that being the ending point. I just was expecting a little more wrap up. But that's sort of my my two cents. Todd, what are your two cents on this? All in all, I mean, I also gave it a B. I'm trying to decide if it's the same kind of subject matter over and over that I wouldn't necessarily seek out if it wasn't for this. Mm -hmm. So um, it might just be my own personal preferences coming in in that regard. But Mm -hmm. it really was, I mean, the story as well, the little vignettes is around, but the side stories, it had some great characterization. Um, I guess in general with a lot of these, as you can tell these people wanting to do a graphic novel to express it, but the art is simplistic in a lot of ways, and I think in a lot of ways it brought a... uh, made it more palatable, especially with some of this really heavy subject matter. But at the same time, I find myself reading it for a while and then having to put it down and read something a bit more colorful for a bit before going back to it again. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things what I've started doing is would I put this on my list to read again and I would need a strong reason to. Hugh, what's your thoughts? Um, I I really liked it. Again, I think it's a very interesting take as a child's point of view. As, as she's growing up, just trying to understand and really get, get a grasp of what is happening in her world. Like, the fact that she didn't understand about social classes and that her babysitter slash maid um, couldn't date the boy from across the street or, um, you know, the political prisoners or who the Shah really was and who her family was. And and then um, as she gets older, when people say that someone's on a trip and she's like, uh, you know, that means they're dead, right? And, you know, just upset her friend because they, you know, she doesn't understand that yet. Um, so I, I find that all very interesting. I find it um, interesting because this is still fairly recent history. I mean, even though, yeah, it's, I mean, to me, 1991 was a long time ago, but I mean, it's still recent history. I mean, this was only, what, 40 years ago? That you know that, that this happened, um, so and you know we're and we're still seeing effects from it today. And the fact and um, you know one of the you know when they're talking about the neighbors, how there's the one neighbor's like, well, you know, last week she was wearing a miniskirt, now all of a sudden she's miss. I'm wearing full full garb, and her husband grew a beard, or. You know, there's a guy who's a window washer who grows a beard, and all of a sudden he's like the fucking ethics person at a hospital, and it's just you know, 
just lots of interesting, weird things that happen in life. Um, but yeah, I highly suggest um, reading it. I, I, if you know, if you feel like it's too dense or that you can't really get through it, the movie is, I think, just as good. So. Um, you know, if you're interested in the story but may not have the time to commit to reading two full books, instead you just want a two-hour movie, there's that option as well. But I, I again, I think it's I think it's something that everyone should should read because um, it's definitely has a lot of interesting things to say. Um, and Adam, what are your final thoughts? And see, what's so funny is we've all been talking about, or you guys have about watching the movie and this is one that's always been on my list but i've never seen um, and now having read this i definitely want to want to watch it because that's you know movies are my medium so mm -hmm. uh but no i i love this you know i, I was kind of going between you know the b plus a minus i, I think i'm gonna stick with an a minus because again this is a really cool way to look into someone's life and see a culture that maybe we don't always know understand and it, it it's important for us to realize that because you know these are you know, these are real people and like and, and too often it seems with the way things are nowadays that you know this this the country of iran especially is painted as you know this this is demonized as much as they demonize us so it's it, it's interesting and cool to see that there are people or there were people there i'm sure that they still are who <clears throat> are the ones standing up being the rebels being the ones who want equal rights and everything else and uh yeah it's it, it's a great book I, I really wish more people would read it because i think it would help uh, open understanding, even if you disagree with some of the things presented into it. But um, no, I, it, it, I was a little bit worried because it was. I think this is like the longest book we've read. <laughs> yeah, probably and, is. And uh, mm -hmm. my sh my shipment came late, so I had to read it in a day. Um, but no, I, I I tore through it. It was great. It was fun and um, actually educating. So yeah. I, I recommend. I'm going to start out with recommendations, especially just kind of based on this. We're doing, not to total spoiler, but uh, I think it's next month we're planning on doing um, all books with uh, strong female leads. I think it's Female Empowerment Month, I think is what it is, because we missed mm -hmm. uh, Women's History Month, so we're doing Female Empowerment Month. So we're trying to do mm -hmm. strong female characters. So I've been reading through a few books um, off of different lists uh, to try to find something, a good recommendation. Uh, one that sort of ties into this one a little bit is the run of uh, Ms. Marvel uh, from uh, oh, probably about 2014. That was, gonna, that was gonna be in my book. I was gonna recommend. <laughs> uh, if you want to recommend it, it's it's. That, were you gonna recommend it for this or for that for that for, run for, uh, for April? Or I can do um, Squirrel Girl. I'm not sure. Uh, I, I think actually I think it's a great choice, and I was thinking about doing it as well. Uh, the, part mm -hmm. of the reason I wanted to re I was gonna just mention it here is because it is about um, a Muslim girl uh, who becomes a superhero. So there is sort of a, a slight like, uh, Pamela Khan is yes, it? absolutely, and and it is a fun book. Um, and at least the first book is fairly self-contained as to one storyline a little bit. It starts building up into something else. But uh, so we might be reading it coming up in April anyway. Uh, but I read that and uh, thought it was fun. I've I've seen a lot of really like I've I've been very busy reading and then going to a lot of comedy shows recently. Um, so uh, Adam, then what is your uh, recommendations? So my recommendation actually it's uh, <coughs> it's the Star Wars role playing game, which sounds okay. kind of odd, but it's the you know it, it's a pen and paper based role playing game, kind of like Dungeons and Dragons. And maybe it's just because um, the, the first time we played, we had uh, Lee George Cade from Geek Show as our, <laughs> as our game master, who is if you've ever seen him do his game mastering like live with uh, some of the Geek Show shows, he's hilarious. But uh, it was honestly the some of the most fun I've ever had, and I. I D&D &D, like, you know, back in high school and college and stuff but the Star Wars world is, is so cool because you know you're it's this world the world we love and like we want to be a part of but the cool thing is that the way the game mechanics go is uh, so you, you roll dice to do things so, like you go shoot at someone you roll the dice 
and it's built in that even if maybe you fail the roll, so like you miss him, you can still get uh, things called triumphs or uh, advantages. So like we were fighting these Gamorrean guards with the little pig, the green pig dudes from Return of the Jedi, and I shot and I missed, but I got so many successes on the other side was that um, reinforcements were coming through. So Lee's like, okay, cool, well you missed, but you hit the panel and the door closed, so no one can come in, so you guys are alone now. So it's it, it's got a really cool mechanic to it, it's a lot of fun, and we now are setting up a, a regular game night. So if you're not into RPGs, I get it. But honestly, Eddie hates, hates board games. And after two hours of playing this, he's like, I'm in. He loves it. So cool. if, if it can convert Eddie, it can convert anyone. Well, I've never actually played D&D, but I've been very fascinated by it recently. So maybe when I'm out there for Comic-Con or something, we'll have to put together a game one night or yeah, something. I think, actually, I think that, um, well, I'm obviously... Comic-Con will be busy, but uh, we're doing it every two weeks, so that'll be a night that we'll be hanging out, and um, I'm sure we'll all be at the Monaco. So, <laughs> uh, Todd, what are your uh, recommendations? I actually have two. Um, one of the other things I've been reading going back and forth, also a bit heavy though, has been the DC's New 52 Batman and Robin run. And um, Volume 4 is called Requiem for Damien. So, spoiler alert, Damien dies. And the first F- issue... Of volume four is issue eighteen, and it's in. A, there's not a single um, word bubble in the entire issue, and it's got Batman going through, or Bruce realized with Damien being gone and going through the grief of that of every little thing. It's really quite emotional, and it's done beautifully, well done. It's um, by Peter Thomasy and Patrick Gleason drew it, so it's worth reading in that regard. And then the other one is a movie I just watched with my wife again. It's called A Good Year. It's got stars Russell Crowe, and it's just a great little romantic comedy. It just makes me happy. The movie A Good Year. I really rather like that one. So cool. yeah, that's what I have to say. And uh, Q, what are your recommendations? I watched a, a great movie, another little kind of political thing called Pride. It came out a few years ago um, about um, gays and lesbians supporting the coal miner strike in 1984 in the UK. It was it, it was it was cute. It was some history. It really didn't get bogged down by then the later kind of sadness of the AIDS crisis. Um, it kind of did towards the end, but it wasn't like super crazy like a lot of especially the early 90s um, gay dramas are. And there also it wasn't like bogged down by like a sappy love story. It was just very much a, a telling of of what happened. Um, one of the surprising things. <laughs> about the movie is that there was this um, character, her name was Sean, and I was like, oh, like, why are we kind of invested in this character? She's just kind of, you know, like this this lady from this town. Well, come to find out that this lady, because of this political movement that she kind of joined from this coal, coal community, she then went to college and became the first woman from her district to ever become a part of Parliament, which was kind of awesome. Um... But anyway, it was it was just it was just a fun a fun thing. Um, I would I would suggest those interested to go see it. And actually, I'm I'm excited for uh, the the miniseries When We Rise comes out oh, uh, yes. next week. Um, yeah, <clears throat> so that that looks really cool. So sounds great. Uh, so next week we are reading our final in our autobiographies. Uh, I've read this one before. It's sad but not sad. It's sort of similar to this one actually. It reminds me of uh, this a bit. Uh, but it's by uh, Alison Bechdel. It's called Fun Home which is also the basis of a Tony Award winning musical which is currently on tour and which I am seeing on Thursday before I'm we record so it. So <laughs> I will have a uh, 
a uh, ability to uh, sort of compare and contrast the two. Uh, but basically, it's about a, a girl who realizes, I mean, it's her realizing that she's a lesbian in college, writes a letter to her dad. Um, her dad dies, and it's her flashing back and forth between her childhood and present, and her realizing that she was gay, and then also her realizing that her father had a secret life as a gay man as well. And uh, yeah, that's that seems pretty straightforward without being spoilery about it um so yeah so that will be uh next week um anybody else have anything else nope nope Mm -hmm. yep cool well thank thank you so much for joining us Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. This band of knuckleheads will be back next week with a new episode. Until then, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr as Funny Books and Firewater. And on Twitter as at FirewaterCast. Go to FunnyBooksAndFirewater.com for the most up-to-date information. As well as cocktail recipes from this and past episodes. Thank you for joining us. And until next week, support your local comic shop. Tip your bartender well. And stay hydrated.